Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. LaFosse Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is Season 6, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual. Some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy. Good morning, my fellow Mysterians. Welcome from a cool, moist South Texas. It seems that the backbone of summer has been broken. We're still going to have a couple of fits through September, but the heat seems to have gone. It's supposedly 76 degrees right now, and it had rained during the night, woke me up because it was such an odd sound. Anyway, this week I want to talk about hotels. And I'm not going to go into great detail about any one hotel like I have before. I have done a series of shows on San Antonio hotels and and just well-known haunted hotels kind of things. But I want to talk about how hotels tend to draw strangeness to them. And I think it's because, this is my opinion, I think it's because so many people stay there, there is so much psychic energy expended at hotels. Couples become engaged at hotels. Couples become married at hotels. Couples break up at hotels. Uh, couples engage in illicit activities at hotels and in those old country songs the family inn gets more of a workout from people who aren't family than it does from families anyway I want to start off with the man that I think and you're gonna hate me for saying this but I think he's greatly overrated Nikola Tesla in 1943, inventor and, and dedicated archenemy of Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, died in room 3327 of the New Yorker Hotel. Very shortly after his death, government agents swooped in and cleared the room 
of all papers and instruments belonging to Tesla. It is thought that Tesla may have been working on a very important project for the government. What has come out since, and seemingly recently, is a really strange story. In 1908, Tesla seems to have been working on a method to attack airplanes from the ground in order to keep civilians safe. Now, this being only five years after the Wright brothers' initial flight of a rudimentary airplane at Kill Devil Hills outside Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and six years before the outbreak of the hellish World War I, how would he know people on the ground would need protection from airplanes? So, the story goes that Tesla was working on a death ray to take out airplanes, apparently. He had an agreement with Admiral Perry to test his theory and send a particle beam to the North Pole, near where Perry would be in order to prove its existence. So Tesla did just that, rigged up his machine, warmed up his death ray, and fired off a burst of energy. Curiously, in the region of Russia known as Siberia, a massive airburst explosion occurred over the area called Tunguska, vaporizing the forest immediately below it and knocking over trees for many miles around. Scientists have long blamed, and it's probably factual, a sizable meteor for the event. But someone has suddenly decided that Tesla was to blame with his death ray. I sometimes wonder about the scientific community. Tesla died in the New Yorker Hotel, leaving theories and many more questions about what he had been working on. It's funny that when someone scientifically important like Tesla dies, there's questions, you know, what was he doing? What was his what was his focus of, of experimentation? What you know, what was he building for the government? It's always for the government. Maybe he was just money hungry and wanted some wealth. I'm drinking a cup of Southern Pecan coffee. Tastes good. A visit to a nearly closed hotel in a snowstorm gave us a masterpiece of horror. Many of you know this story or part of this story. Many of you have heard something about it. In 1974, appropriately on October 30th, the night before Halloween, a family comes into the nearly deserted and closing for the season Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. The staff provided them a room. What else could they do? There was an early season snowstorm going on and the family were given room 217. The young man and his family bed down for the night. But he is restless and he takes a tour of the hotel. He wonders about the hotel and sees an image, a phantasm if you will, of an old-timey maid. Old-timey is a word that us old folks used to use when referring to people around the early 1900s. Old-timey maid. He had just seen a ghost. 
After having gone back to sleep, he has a dream that his son is being pursued by something down the halls of the hotel. Waking up and feeling very disturbed, he gets up and ponders his nightmare. Before long, this young man, Stephen King, has the bones of a story, a story that will become The Shining. Perhaps Mr. and Mrs. Stanley, who have been reported as remaining in their hotel themselves, might like the notoriety. It is said that often construction on any level can rouse spirit activity to an uncomfortable level. In Mineral Wells, Texas, there is what was and may become again a luxury hotel called the Baker Hotel. In its creation and heyday, it was known for the mineral waters it sat over. It was listed as a spa. People could come for health reasons, sit in the mineral waters, drink the mineral waters, you know, and feel better. Hard times came with the Depression, but 1940 rolls around and nearby, the U.S. Army opens Fort Walters, which gives a life boost to the baker. Parties, dances, military guests at the hotel created quite the draw to the baker. But thankfully, the war didn't last. Thankfully for all but the baker. Fort Walters was shut down and the baker began its decline. In 1951, a brief resurgence happened when Fort Walters was reactivated as a helicopter training base, but that couldn't save the place. Interesting point in fact here, my brother served at Fort Walters as a walk candidate. You know what a walk is, don't you? A walk is something one throws at a wabbit. In the intervening years, the hotel was shut down, and sure as shooting, there comes ghost stories, ghosts, and ghost hunters. It became a destination for urban explorers. Some of the ghostly tales told about the hotel got out and garnered new life from the dead. According to reports from those in the know, many, or perhaps most of the revenants hanging out at the Baker didn't die there but rather live there through those parties and dances I mentioned earlier. There are indigenous ghosts, for sure, but many spent time at the Baker. They came back, or come back, because it represents a good time of their lives. There are military ghosts who show up looking much like they did when they served nearby. There are military ghosts who come back after they died, looking how they did his de at death. Interesting story for the baker. I hope they do make a go of it. The Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas was opened in the 1880s as a spa-type hotel. Again, it was because of Mineral Springs. An early sad tale comes from the construction of the place. A 17-year-old stonemason named Michael fell to his death. This castle in the sky was finally finished and became a popular place. In the 1930s, a doctor took it over and opened it as a hospital in which he said he could cure cancer. 
He even opened up a radio station and broadcast a show where he talked about how easy it was to cure cancer and how he could do it. And if you came to his hospital, he could cure you. But people started noticing that the patients would become very sick. Then suddenly the doctor would announce them well and gone, back to their homes. Except they weren't well. They were dead. Due to these and other stories, the Crescent Hotel claims most haunted hotel status. In San Antonio, there sits the Emily Morgan Hotel. And it has a few spooky stories to be told. The hotel, known, I don't know by whom, but as the official hotel of the Alamo, well, in their minds anyway, is known to have ghosts haunt the halls. At one time, the hotel housed a medical facility, which had a morgue and a psychiatric ward and its own crematorium. Reports of unexplained noises, apparitions, and the feeling of being touched have been reported by guests. The floors with the most paranormal activity that have been reported are the 7th, 9th, 11th, and 12th floors. The Emily Morgan Hotel was named after folk heroine Emily West, well, that's one story, who supposedly seduced Mexican General Santa Ana during the Battle of San Jacinto. Thanks to her efforts, which may have been accidental, the Texans beat the Mexican army in just 18 minutes. The historic Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel is haunted by multitudes of ghosts, including the most famous, Miss Marilyn Monroe. She has been said to haunt the full-length mirror that was once in her suite. And it has since apparently been moved into the lobby and other things. But people still see an image of Marilyn Monroe in this mirror. Room 928 is believed to be haunted by the restless spirit of Montgomery Cliff, the film and stage actor best known for his role in the film Red River in 1948 with John Wayne. He is heard practicing his trumpet for the famous part he played in the movie From Here to Eternity, Robert E. Lee Pruitt, the boxing bugler. In California, in Long Beach, sits the Queen Mary, a ship that was converted into a hotel and permanently docked at Long Beach. And it is as stately as they come. But don't let its lush appearance fool you. It also happens to be one of the most haunted hotels in America. You won't be the only guest hanging out on board the historic ship. In fact, spirits are said to haunt several different places on board, and the hotel offers ghost tours to take full advantage of the spooky stories. Not only does the Queen Mary offer a transatlantic history, but it is known as one of the most haunted destinations in America says Chris Wilmoth, the director of marketing at the Queen Mary. The unique history of the ship allows us to offer one-of-a-kind and authentic experiences that delve into the paranormal, from evening tours and ghost investigations 
to overnight stays in our most haunted stateroom, B340. There are various other ghostly sightings around the Grand Old Dame, enough to fill a visit with chills and shivers. In what was once the main swimming pool, which has been drained for insurance purposes, a woman in an old-style wedding dress and a little boy in a suit have been seen. There have been heard sounds of water splashing and then wet footprints going back to the ladies' locker room. There have been other visions. A, a crewman who was killed when he was caught in a door and crushed has been seen down in the engine room. Lots of things happen on the Queen Mary. Lots of things are reported to happen on the Queen Mary anyway. If you go down to the Texas coast in Galveston, the Hotel Galvez has a woman named Audra who is said to have died after learning her fiancé had drowned at sea. As it turned out, he survived the episode, but nonetheless, she has been seen waiting for his return. This is a recurring theme at Oceanside hotels. The newly married bride, the newly widowed woman, the jilted lover, either dead by their own hands or wasting away from grief. In many cases, their ghosts are seen staring out to sea from a window. Again, back in San Antonio, the Menger Hotel, which is what I would call the Alamos Hotel, is a historic hotel located in downtown San Antonio on the site of the Battle of the Alamo. It was listed in the National Register of Historic Places in 1977 as a contributing building in the Alamo Plaza Historic District. The Menger Hotel sits literally right by the Alamo. You walk out of the Menger, you cross the street, and you're on Alamo property. Of course, it came into being in 1859, some 23 years after the historic battle, and it has served San Antonio ever since, upgrading, redesigning, reconfiguring when necessary in order to stay beautiful in order to stay comfortable, and in order to remain relevant. It has hosted many of the U.S. presidents, many of the country's movers and shakers, and even caused the creation of the Rough Riders by Theodore Roosevelt, most recruited in the Menger's own bar, where Teddy himself fired a bullet into the woodwork, and the bullet hole still remains. The bar suffered a surprise visit from a renowned liquor hater, Carrie Nation, who gave the bar not 40 wax with her little axe. And you can see where the bar part was replaced that she hacked up. The Menger has its own contingent of ghosts. A maid, killed by her jealous husband. A wealthy cattleman who used the Menger as a home away from home. Even some strangeness drifting over from the Alamo. I worked at the Menger for a few weeks back in 1986, after I got to San Antonio, doing night security. And while I never saw anything, I can tell you that it was a creepy place to work due to the way the building is set up. There are parts of the hotel that remind me of what an old gambling boat would look like. 
the corners are not 90 degrees square, they are curved 90 degrees. And when I was there, there were rooms that didn't have doorknobs because bats had invaded the rooms. I guess they've taken care of that problem. We go to the other coast, out in California, the Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego, California, which is a historical and lovely place. It's well known for its white sides and red roofs. It has a movie star reputation because it was in a movie. It was the backdrop for the movie Some Like It Hot. It has been temporary home for celebrities and VIPs over the years and even has a few ghostly visitors. One visitor, Kate Morgan, a young woman who checked in to the Hotel Del Carnado in 1892, never checked out. Instead, it's thought her lovely likeness and gentle spirit remain as the resort's resident ghost. Who was Kate Morgan? She was 24. She arrived on Thanksgiving Day alone and unhappy. According to hotel employees, she said she was waiting for a gentleman to join her. After five lonely days, Kate was found shot at the end of a walkway out toward the beach by her own hand. At the time of her death, police could find nothing to positively identify her, so a description of Kate was telegraphed to police agencies around the country. As a result, newspapers began to refer to Kate as the beautiful stranger. After Kate Morgan's identity was confirmed, she was married but estranged from a husband, and it was surmised that she had arrived at the Dell hoping to rendezvous with a lover. But that apparently never happened, and poor Kate was left lonely and alone and supposedly killed herself out of grief. Hotels, like theaters, have rather a set group of stories told about them. Hotels have ghostly maids. Hotels have reports of children running up and down the hallway during the night, which I'm sure does happen in life, but seems to happen more often in death. There's apparently women who were in the throes of some sadness so they either took their lives in the hotel room, jumped out of a hotel window, hung themselves from a staircase, something like that. There are many stories like that across many hotels. I don't know if they're true stories or if they're just, hey, this seems to be a popular story to tell for a hotel. It's not that I'm skeptical because like I said, I worked at the Manger and I know places can be weird. But you gotta wonder just how many women kill themselves in hotels waiting for their lovers or husbands to come back from the sea. They have stories of knocks on doors. Guests open the door and there's nobody there. Lights coming on, lights going off, rooms being left open, rooms being left locked. Things inside of the rooms being moved around. There's even one hotel that the guests report that when they bring their luggage up to the room and then leave to go maybe get something to eat or something else, 
they come back up and their clothes are all put away. So uh, that's a helpful ghost, and you know I wouldn't want that one to go away. Uh, some of the stories of hotels out in the Southwest include how many gunfights there were, or how many people got shot. And, uh, the one hotel, and I can't think of the name right now, that has a tin ceiling that has bullet holes all in it. There are there are so many stories about hotels. There's a hotel up in Austin that has ghosts that are visible. There's a hotel in Fort Worth by the stockyards that has ghostly visitations and ghostly sightings and ghostly noises. And small bed and breakfasts have things. Uh, even the, uh, the Lizzie Borden house has its stories. Well, of course, that's going to be natural since what happened there. You know, did Lizzie kill her parents? Who knows? Only Lizzie maybe knows, and the person that did it, if she didn't. Anyway, hotels are very strange places. Again, like I said, so many people stay at hotels. Who knows what psychic power they leave behind? Who knows what psychic turmoil they're in while they're in the hotel? I know that one of the reasons I've stayed at a hotel recently was because of death in the family. You know, sadness can can leave a mark. And this could be some of the stories of the hotels. Well, I'm going to let you go at that. Uh, that's all I have for the week. Please come back. Tell others about the podcast, about the network. We'll see you next time on Terry's Mysterious Moments.